Well, good afternoon, everybody. How are you? I uh, was probably, I have to say, the sickest I have ever been. Um, it started, uh, I feel like, a couple weeks ago where it was just that lingering uh, sickness. But you know how you, you can be sick but still functioning? So I had that at first. So I was walking around and I was like, all right, I'm sick, but oh, it's going to be fine. And I'm going to, you know, well, Thursday night, <clears throat> I got home. I was hanging out with the, the youth group and I got home and I started the shakes. I started like got really cold. And so I started layering. Um, I it felt like I couldn't put on enough clothes uh, and get warm uh, and got in bed and it was just awful. So that was when it started um, all day Friday. All day Saturday, I literally didn't move from I, my bed to, like, the couch. Like, that was it. I was just basically hopping back and forth between those two spots. I felt like I was as sick as I had ever, ever been. And to be honest with you, uh, which I'll get more in, uh, actually use some of this into my sermon, uh, I started panicking a little bit, uh, especially because uh, there's that whole new bird, what is it? Coronavirus, what is, I almost said bird flu, that was another one, right? Coronavirus, and, so, and I, I think I have it. I, I must have it. I'm dying. I mean, I literally was worried that Sheila was going to walk in, that I was, you know, going to be dead in our bed. I mean, just crazy thoughts uh, were going through my head. Uh, but I am finally feeling better today. Uh, and uh, to be honest with you, I wasn't sure. It, I was getting to that point where I thought, is this it for me? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to ever feel better again. Uh, and then when you finally start feeling better, you're like, oh, okay, thank God. Uh, he still likes me. He's not, he's not taking me out right now. <clears throat> but we've been talking about, I've been calling it the love walk, is, uh, is kind of like my sermon series. And the idea is that not only do we understand that we are loved, but we learn to walk in love. And, and walking in love really is, it's kind of two-sided, Okay. So the, the first side to walking in love is understanding that we are loved. And then the other side of that is learning to love others. In fact, it's, it's part of the greatest commandment. It, Jesus was kind of approached and he was asked and he was saying, out of all the laws, <coughs> excuse me, and of all the commands, which one's the greatest? And Jesus answered him by saying, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he says, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And, and he explains that by doing this, that you pretty much are covering all the laws. That if you are loving God and that you are loving your fellow man, that by doing those things, that, I mean, really, how are you breaking a law by, by you know, by doing that? That this is truly how we are to act. In fact, last week, I even kind of touched on the fact that, that Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that if you, you know, if you love the world as I have loved you, this is how they will know that you are my disciples. That this is how they will see me, basically. That if you want the world to see Jesus, well, you better be acting like Jesus acted, right? You better be loving people as Jesus loved people. And of course, we explained that last week. But today, I, I want to get into kind of a, a deeper understanding of, of God's love for you. Because you know what, it's easy to say, you know, go out and love people. And it's easy to say, you know, love people like this. But you know what, it's really difficult to go and love people if you don't know how much you are loved, right? 
How can you give love if you haven't fully received love? So I kind of want to look at this uh, scripture uh, in Romans, but first uh, let's look at John 3.16, and I know we could all probably quote it, but it's still a very powerful scripture. John 3.16, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now, I added verse 17 specifically because I think sometimes we walk around feeling like God's still judging us, right? Do we feel, do you guys, you don't have to raise your hand, but do you feel that way sometimes? Do you feel like, you know what, God's just up there, he's waiting for me to mess up, you know what, and then the minute I mess up, boom, I'm toast, right? I'm done with. He's going to just lightning bolt and I think sometimes we walk around and we feel this way, that we, we don't understand that, you know, even, even in his word, he's explaining to us that God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, right? Not to judge the world, but to show his love. And we think sometimes, we think, you know, we, we think of the Old Testament God, right? We think of the Old Testament God, but really when you look at the Old Testament and you look at it with the New Testament, God has never changed. It's us, right? It's us who have a difficulty, this difficult time with our relationship with God. God really hasn't changed. In fact, God from the beginning had that plan to redeem us. Even though Adam and Eve had brought in sin into the world, even though Adam and Eve had rebelled against God, even though Adam and Eve had said, you know what, we want to do this thing on our own. Despite all of that, from that point, God still had a plan, and he was setting his plan into motion from that point. Let's look at Romans 8, because I think this is a very powerful piece of scripture that Paul the Apostle writes because I think we sometimes don't understand how much God loves us. And if anything, I'm, you know, one of those people who, like, just this last weekend was thinking, like, I must be being punished for something, and I think this is it. God's taking me out. Right? We kind of go to these crazy places in our, in our heads. Romans 8 <clears throat> says this, starting in verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? <clears throat> Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything separate us from God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, right? Or get sick? Or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? The scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. <clears throat> oh, thank you. Oh, wow. Mm. Verse 38, 
And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you. This is a powerful scripture. This is the kind of scripture that should encourage you. In fact, this is life-giving scripture that when you're feeling low or when you're feeling down or when you're in that place that you're just not feeling very close to God or, or you know, you feeling uh, like a failure or whatever it is, this should remind you that there is nothing that you can do and that there is nothing even outside of what you can do that will separate God's love for you. You know, I truly started to understand this idea of, of a father's love when I became a father myself. You know, when my daughter Bella was born, I instantly, instantly would give my life for this little girl. And then just when you think, you know what, how could I ever love, you know, another kid like I love this one, you know, then Nora comes along and oh my gosh, I still have room. Oh wow, it's just amazing. I can love another child. Yes, I'm sorry. But it's, you know, it's interesting how God puts that in us, right? He, he allows us to experience something that he is. He loves you. And by the way, he loves all of us and he loves us all equally, right? Just like you who have children, you love all your children equally. Now, some you may, you know, be a little bit happier with than others. But I understood this kind of love, this, this, that there was nothing, nothing that either of my daughters could do. And there was nothing that was going to separate, you know, my love from them. I want to kind of look at this a little bit more closely and, and, and a little bit more of what the scripture is saying. But that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. The first one is death. 1 Corinthians 15.54 says, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scriptures will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. You see, you guys... When Jesus came, it wasn't just that he would come and make us feel better. It wasn't just come that he would just heal and, 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 and you know, turn water into wine and all that kind of cool stuff. It, it wasn't just to do that. It was that Jesus came to defeat death itself. You see, again, going back, Adam and Eve had brought in death. Death had, did not exist until Adam and Eve sinned. And the minute Adam and Eve sinned, death had entered the world. And then Jesus comes. It's now full circle. Jesus comes to this earth. And what he did on the cross, what he did three days later by conquering death, there is now victory. So death cannot separate you from God's love. You do not have to worry that if you are a child of God, you do not even have to worry about death. 
Because death isn't the end. In fact, if anything, what we will know is death will be the beginning. Amen? It will be the beginning of something beautiful and of something new. And if anything, something we should be even looking forward to. The second thing that can't separate us from God's love is life. <coughs> Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You see, we kind of have one chance if you think about it. This scripture is saying that we need to seek the Lord while we have the opportunity. God is constantly making opportunity for us to be redeemed by him, for us to be loved by him, for us to be uh, you know, brought into his family. He is constantly extending his hand. I had a friend one time, we were kind of getting in this debate, and when I was in uh, like junior, senior year of high school, I, you know, I was kind of, I became a cocky Christian. I, I'm not proud of it, but I kind of became this cocky Christian, and I would like to get into debates you know, with my non-believing friends. So anyways, I, I was talking with one friend of mine, and we were getting into one of our kind of debates, and he was like, well, what about, what about the guy in Africa that has never, ever heard of, you know, this thing that you call, like, the good news, the gospel, and blah, 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 blah. And, and to be honest with you, I, I don't know back then, uh, you know, what I said or that I even had a great, you know, uh, uh, answer to that, but what I do know but what I do know now, and, and the, you know, the, the years that I have been a Christian, God speaks, and God will use any, by any means to convey his love to anyone. He will use nature, right? He will use dreams. I have heard crazy stories, you guys. I have heard crazy stories. In fact, some, most of these crazy stories in the Middle East, right, where it's just a hotbed of you know, crazy war and stuff like that. But I have heard crazy stories of Jesus literally appearing to people. I'm talking like Muslims appearing to them and letting them know that he loves them. And they're just like waking up and like, who is this man who I keep having this dream over and over and over? I had a missionary friend tell me one time, this was uh, not in the Middle East. This was like in a, uh, it would have been a place like Papua New Guinea or something like that. And there was this missionary, and they were, they were getting ready to go to this, uh, um, you know, this kind of village out in the middle of nowhere. And they got there, and, and you know, they welcomed them, and they were, oh, wow, this is going great, and things like that. And, and the, 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 the people, the villagers kept saying, tell us about the man who bleeds from his hands. Tell us about the man who bleeds from his hands. And he was like, wow, like, where did you hear that? And they're like, we're all dreaming of this man who's bleeding from his hands. And so, of course, he sat there and he told them the story of Jesus Christ. It was amazing. I have come to believe and I have come to even see with my own eyes that God does not, you know, limit himself, that he will reach anybody anywhere. That's how much he loves them. That just because they didn't grow up in the United States and go to church every Sunday doesn't mean that, oops, you, they lost out. I believe that every single person will have the opportunity to hear the gospel. The question is, is whether they will listen and whether they will believe it. Psalms 
32.8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. We need to submit our lives to the Lord. Because when we do, then we will experience that fullness of his love. You see, God wants our lives here to be full of his love. Yes, will we experience the fullness in heaven? Of course we will. But God really wants us to have everything, though, you know, that we can possibly have here, here right, and right now. We don't have to wait and we don't have to you know, necessarily struggle and struggle and struggle, but we do need to submit our lives to him. We do need to say, okay, my life is not my own. My life is yours, Lord. He says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Well, the only way he can guide us is if we are following him. Amen? We can't just say, you know what, God, I'm going to do what I feel like is best. I believe in you. I know you're there, but I'm just going to, you know, right? I'm telling you from personal experience, that does not work. It doesn't. Nothing can separate us from God's love. He also says angels or demons. James 2.19 says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. The scripture says something very clear that you need to understand. The demons still tremble in the presence of God. Okay? So I don't know what kind of experience you have when I was growing up, I did have some kind of crazy experiences. In fact, it's something that just stopped in the last couple of years. But I used to have these things called, I've heard them called night terrors or night crushings. Or, and I used to get them a lot when I was a kid. So I believed in the spiritual. I believed that there was more going on than what we could see. I, I, I even felt it. There are even times that, you know, I would walk into someone's home and it felt oppressive I mean, it felt dark. It felt, you know, there was something going on there. I might not have been able to articulate it, but I could feel it. <clears throat> and it wasn't just until recently that I finally, finally, as I've just continued to submit my life to the Lord, that I finally have been relieved of what I've been called, you know, what I call these night terrors, these night crushings. I really haven't had them at one in now years. But I used to get them a lot. And it was oppressive. I mean, it was scary. It freaked me out. And it was, I felt like I couldn't breathe. That was kind of the whole, I think, the whole point of it. But I have come to realize something. That despite what, you know, demons think that they can do, they still have to submit to God's authority. And when you invoke the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. They tremble in the name of Jesus. They tremble when they hear Jesus' name spoken. When you start walking around your home and you start claiming your home in the the name of Jesus, the enemy has to take off. He's got to get out of there. He cannot stay because he is under that authority. Amen? And I say this because I want to remind you, I don't know... Maybe some oppressive things that you feel like you're going through right now. And it may not be as overtly as, you know, something like even a night crushing or something like that. But you know, 
something's just off, whether it's in your home or whether it's at your work or whether it's, you know, just wherever it is, you can call upon the name of Jesus, the name above every other name, the name that even demons tremble at. You can call upon that name because there is an authority in that name and you can literally banish whatever you feel like is trying to come over your home or your family or your workplace or your neighborhood, whatever it is. The second thing is fear. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm almost ashamed to say this, but I started to panic a little this weekend. I felt so sick, and I started to let fear creep in that I literally had thoughts that this may be it. I, I'm not joking when I'm saying that. I'm, I really, really thought, I wonder if I'm dying. <laughs> and that's what fear does, right? Fear starts making you think irrational things. Why? Why? Do I not think God loves me, that he wouldn't swoop down and he wouldn't heal me and save me, right? Why would I think such thoughts? 1 John 4.18 says, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. We are afraid it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Listen, if, if we have doubts about God, or if we're wrestling with how much he loves us, it's because we're afraid that, or, or maybe we feel like we deserve punishment. And that's not the case. Because Jesus took the punishment already. It's already happened. He's already taken the punishment upon himself. You do not have to worry or fear of that punishment. Jesus loves you. God loves you. So if you're going through something right now and you're thinking to yourself, and by the way, I've thought this, so I, I'm not saying that you're a terrible person for thinking this. But if you're saying to myself, I must be experiencing all these difficulties because I did something. God is punishing me. I'm here to tell you that is a lie. That is a lie. We live in a fallen world, okay? We live in a fallen world. There's still sin in this world. But God is not punishing you. He loves you. And he would never, ever, ever do something like that. It is not in his nature. It is not in his character. So we do not have to fear. And I love, the, I love 1 John 4, 18. Such love has no fear because perfect love exists. Expels all fear. You hear that? Perfect love expels all fear. The next time you're in that place, like I was just yesterday, the next time you're in that place, let God's perfect love come in and let it expel all that fear that you are feeling. <coughs> worry. How many of you worry? I think all of us worry. Matthew 6, 31. So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. 
But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I, I, I think this is where most of us struggle. I know this is where I struggle. Because this is the kind of the routine I get in with God. I feel like God's kind of given me a promise, right? I start to stand in that promise. I start to even step out into that promise. But then I get out there, and as I feel like I'm walking in faith, all of a sudden worry comes in, and then I start thinking, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what if this happens? Well, what, you know, what if, what if? Why, first of all, why would God lead me out to this place to abandon me, right? It's so irrational, but yet we do that, and yet I do that to God all the time. But again, that's not who God is, and that's not his love. You need to understand that when you get into that place of worry, verse 33 says, seek the kingdom above all else. Seek the kingdom above all else. God, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? Not my will, right? Not my will. What is your will for my life? And continue to submit that every single day, every single day. Not my will, but your will, Lord. Not my will, but your will. And you know what? You start living like that, and you will see your anxiety and your worry start to decrease because you will start to say, you know what? God's got it all taken care of. God's got my life completely all taken care of. And the last one, the power of hell. The power of hell. Matthew 16, 18. And also I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I love this scripture. Even though Jesus is saying this to Peter, he's really saying this to us because we are the church, right? And what is he saying? The gates of hell will not prevail against us. <coughs> you know what that means, you guys? That means whatever we come and we do together, guess who wins? God, he wins every single time. That however you're feeling or whatever was happening to you today or this last week or whatever you came out from or whatever, you know, you've been attacked by or maybe even physically, you know, uh, you know like me, sick. That the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. That as we continue to gather and as we continue to believe and as we continue to unite as one body, and as we continue to seek his will, and as we continue to do those things, that we will have victory every single time. Because that is how much God loves his church. That is how much God loves you. That he has already said the gates of hell will not prevail against you. That you need to start standing up and believing these things. You guys, this is what it boils down to. What do you believe? What do you believe? Are you believing the lies that have been said about you? Or are you going to believe the truth? The truth that was even paid and purchased with blood. Jesus is. Chris, if you would come on back up. 
You guys got the shortened Matthew tonight. You know what? Here's what I would like to do. We go into this last song. I would like you to try. And I would ask that you would just open up your heart and ask yourself this question. What is it that I'm wrestling with about God's love for me? What is it? Ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Was it one of those things that we talked about tonight? Maybe it's many other of the insecurities that we have about ourselves, the lies that we've believed. But I would just ask, as the Holy Spirit reveals to you, that you would just let him love you. And you would also let him heal you of maybe that area. Maybe it's a father wound. Maybe it's a mother wound. Maybe it's just never, ever feeling like you matter, that anybody cares about you, or that you're worth anything. Not only are you worth something, you were so valuable to God that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die in your place. That even when we were in our sin, that even when we turned our backs on God, he didn't give up on us. He continued to pursue us. He continued to seek after us. He continued to love us. Because it's who he is. He can't help himself. He can't help himself. So as we go into this last portion, could this just be a time between you and your Father God? And could it really be a time of allowing Him to love you? And I know that may be hard for some of us in here. But like I said, just be open to it. Have your heart open and say, Lord, show me. Show me your love because I need it desperately. And help expel all those lies that I've been believing for too long. Amen. Amen. Will we stand and can we sing this last song together?